Welcome to Nighttime Conversations with Stephen Freya, unscripted and unrehearsed. We take on the deeper subjects of love, romance, sex, and personal happiness. I'm Steve McElwain, and I'm with Freya Jordan. Tonight's call will be addressing uh, the creation of intimate connections. So, Freya, let's start off by talking about what what could intimate connections mean to people, and then we'll dive into what we'll be discussing. How's that? Okay, that sounds great. Um, what we mean tonight is how to invite sex, basically, or let's just call it sexual intimacy or physical intimacy, um, sexual connections that way, without being a douche about it. <laughs> you created quite a stir on the front. I know, I know. I had to say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because you know what? Sometimes... Um, People do it in really sucky ways, which yeah. are off-putting yeah. and unpleasant. Yeah. And how can we do this in ways that actually are pleasant and appreciated? Yeah. So I'd like to structure this and t- tell me if I have your buy-in. I'd like to structure this call by uh, by starting off by talking about how could people understand what does intimacy mean? Because people have different ideas of what is intimate to me. Um, and we can relate that to our our discussion. And then I want to dive into this this douchey aspect, and that is... People do things that really are feeling icky that 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 a, a woman, for example, might not like, might not want to receive. Uh, can we do a, a touch upon that about some of the things that happen in real life that don't feel good, that are really obstacles to intimacy? Yes, and just as importantly, what to do instead. Yes, yes. All right. Because, you know, it's all very well because we've heard people complain. Yeah. It's like our whole lives, we hear women complaining, usually women, yeah. complaining about this and that. No, oh, guys, this. But you know, what are guys supposed to do then if they yeah. can't, if they can't invite that way because it's annoying and it's irritating yeah. and considered douchey? Then what can they do to it, invite sexuality when they want it or when they're hopeful to have it? Yeah, easiest examples: don't do this, don't do this. Fine, fine, fine. Then what should I do? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So first, intimacy. What does it mean to various people? And I'll start this off by saying that it could be something that's very one-sided. Uh, for example, I've heard guys say, I feel a real connection with her. And meanwhile, the woman's going, uh, what is he talking about? I don't, I don't feel anything cozy about him. Uh, and the reason why I mention that is that uh, if it is one-sided, it could mean something as simple as, I feel really good about her, therefore I interpret this as intimacy. A person might think of it that way, but that's not what we're talking about tonight. Mm, no, definitely. I, I'm like what I meant about tonight, and what I really wanted to address is um, inviting actual physical interaction. Yeah, and physical, you know, not giving me a shoulder massage. Yeah. Physical interaction. It could be um, sensual touching. It could be penis and vagina sex. It could be just making out, but uh, something intimate, outright sexy stuff. Although not necessarily yeah. penis and vagina. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so we're not talking about uh, friendships, developing good friendships, although that is helpful for for deeper intimacy. Uh, we're not talking about, um, geez, I'm feeling really good about you, and that being one sided. Uh, we're talking about actually getting into sexy stuff, and how do we how do we move towards that, and how do we uh, do it in a way that invites? And let's just remember, there's there's usually two different types as well. Like there's the single person. Yeah. Who's out on a date and inviting somebody that they're um, they're not already intimate with, and then there's the long-term married couple, and, and we had or not not necessarily married, but long-term partner couple, and yeah. we did have some questions about um, you know pity sex and yeah. obligation sex, and is you know yeah. how, what to do about that kind of thing. So right. we'll get there. We'll get there. 
All right. So let's start off. Now that we understand what we mean by intimacy, some sort of sexy stuff uh, could be mm-hmm. could be hand holding, could be looking into your eyes and thigh to thigh, and uh, watching a movie under under a blanket and, and and being physically close to each other. It could be some lovely kissing, some caressing. Uh, and and up to and including um, penis and vagina and other forms of sex, it could be all that whole ball wax. But it's it's some sexy stuff. How do we foster that? How do we set the stage for that? How do we help that along? Uh, so okay, um, actually, before we get to the sexy stuff, let's let's go to the not being a douche part. I was about to suggest because that. That's, yeah, that's very yeah. that's actually quite succinct and yeah. easy. Yeah. The sexy stuff. There's lots of other things yeah. about it. So yeah. yeah, let's talk about what are the roadblocks? What are the things that that kill that mood? That kill the ability? So let me ask you for you because I think you said this succinctly. Is is I'll set the stage for you. Is is what is the thing that works against us when we want to move towards intimacy? The one single thing is pinning your happiness on getting what you want, um, having something very specific in mind, and then deciding that unless you get that specific thing, you are going to be unhappy and somebody else is going to pay. Because, because when you are not happy about it and when your happiness depends on it, a, a lot of times there's consequences for either an outright no or consequences for something different than what you had in mind. Yeah. And those consequences are what turn you into a douche. Yeah. So so I'm going to try to be a, a little bit cleaner on this and go and I'm going to yeah, avoid. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to avoid the we whole douche. We can avoid thing. the world. But we'll avoid that word. Now yeah. I just But we understand we understand what you're talking about. Is yeah. so some of the examples of of how that looks is if a guy or woman if if they're object of their objective their target fixated on it's got to be penis and vagina i got to get laid i got to get an orgasm i got to got to got to if that's what they're focused on and they believe i can't be happy tonight unless that happens i got to make that happen there's all sorts of ugly things that can just fall out of that such as if i approach you steve approaches freya with that objective in mind then really you're not in a safe place where you can say no not into it because there's there's all sorts of ugly pressure on you and, and what I want actually doesn't matter. Yeah. I, what I, I want doesn't matter and my pleasure doesn't matter. Yes. And my participation, except as a receptacle, really has no yeah. it so, matter at all. The only thing that matters is that you get laid. Yeah. So I, I believe both of us are really outright saying that if we're in that state of mind, if a person starts off with that foundation, if you're in that state of mind that I got to get this target, I got to get that objective met or else I'm going to be grumpy, we're setting ourselves up for suffering and we're likely going to share that suffering with the person that we want to engage with. And you know what? Uh, It's more common even in people who are listening to this right now and saying, oh, I would never be like that. Well, a lot of times that happens when guys use sex as a way to manage their stress as opposed to because they are simply extremely horny and they and they want to have sex so when that happens they see their partner as the source of um their stress relief and you know they just want to they want to unwind they want to relax they want to disconnect from the day and this is the way that they do it and she's there and she's my wife or she's my partner so she's the one that has to do this for me and they become fixated on doing this thing. And this thing means having sex. Without even realizing that that's what we're doing. And they're using her yeah. as their 
stress relief, their distraction. And basically, if you want to get into energetics, and I know you're not really big on that, Steve, but, but I am, um, you're dumping all of your stress into her and using her as a receptacle and, and a dumpster. And actually, that's really gross. And it's a really, really yucky dynamic. Even though I would not use that word energy because my mind doesn't think that way in terms of energy, but Gabor Mate, MD, he's a doctor. He used almost exactly the same words. He said that the, the common relationship between male and female in a, hetero, in a heterosexual relationship is the man marries the woman with the understanding that you will be the absorber of my emotions. So we're getting together and your job mm-hmm. is to absorb my emotions um, and, and she signs up to that without realizing it. Both of them don't realize that's what they're doing, but that's common they, actually. And then they wonder why she starts to avoid it Yeah, and and not want it anymore. So that's number one. Yeah. And, and again, that happens without even realizing that's what you're doing. So yeah. originally it can sound like, oh God, I would never be like that to a woman. But uh, actually, maybe. Maybe yeah. even well-meaning without understanding that that's what's happening. So yeah. another situation is um, the validation seekers where you are looking there. And these are the ones who are like, oh, no, I, I really care about my partner. I want to see her happy. And um, so what they want is the validation of sexual connection. And they will sidle up and um, say, do you want to have a foot rub tonight? And what they mean by that is, if I rub your feet, will you let me touch higher? And then um, let me also touch your pussy and have you want me. Often, at where it gets, I'm sorry, douchey, um, <laughs> sorry, where it gets douchey is in the need for the partner to react and respond in a certain way and to be frustrated when they don't because you've been thinking about this for a while. You, um, you've been fantasizing about it. You've been wondering, she's in a completely different space and that space may not be, you know, active desire for you. So So, yeah, to paint how that would look like, um, imagine me male um, wanting sex from you, female and uh, it's not just a matter of I want sex from you. It's a matter of I need you to express yourself in a way that you're really desiring me, that you're horny for me, that you you can't keep your hands off me. That's what I'm really looking for, even though I might not be aware of it, even though that's not consciously in my mind. Yeah, because you, because you want to feel um, desired and you want to feel validated. And in order for you to feel validated, I need to respond in a way that you've decided means that you're validated. Yeah. You said something that's really kind of complicated, but it, but it's really important because this dynamic actually happens all the time. Yeah. This is one of the biggest problem dynamics um, in couples that I see that are having discrepancies in their sex. You said something brilliant. A number of my friends, listeners of the program said, um, when Freya said this, this was absolutely brilliant. Uh, women, women indicated to me, this was brilliant. This quote of yours, I need you to not me. Oh, uh, let me start again. I need you to not need me to need you. Yes. Yeah. That, that's a brilliant phrase. Is, uh, <clears throat> the setting of the stage is guy or, or woman, person steps into this, this connection, needing the other person to need me so I can feel good. So it's not just a matter of, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm horny. Can, uh, can you help me out with an orgasm? Sure, honey, I'll do that. I, I need you to be enthusiastic. I need you to be like really wanting it. That's what I'm really looking for. 
um, and being fixated on that target is just, it's a recipe for suffering is expecting someone to perform in a certain way, not just engage with you, but perform in the way that I want you to perform rather than just be yourself and let's do this together. Let's have this experience together. So that specific subject can be talked about for a super long time. And the bottom line of it, like if I were to distill all of it into a specific thing, the end answer is to be present with what's actually happening right now and to be fully okay with whatever that something is. So that something may be that your partner is actually crazy horny or they may be extremely tired or they may be um, on their period or they might, you know, you don't know what they're going to be like. So if you become fully present and just are here now, now is always perfect. Yeah. Now is always perfect. It only becomes imperfect and problematic when you, instead of being here now, you're telling stories and you're either future pacing or you're living in the past and doing a comparison. The comparison is never going to be exact. So we're already touching into the second part, and that is how to build that intimacy. So before we get into that, into the depths of that, I just want to wrap up the first part of the obstacles. So in summary, the obstacles to intimacy are one person being deeply in their own mind, being target fixated. I want this, I want this, I want this, and if I don't get it, I'm going to be miserable. I'll be grumpy. And that can show up in all sorts of unintentional ways, passive aggression, uh, not being nice, pokes and jabs, uh, being less uh, open-hearted, uh, having less goodwill towards the other. Those are all things that are likely unintentional, but they can show up. That That is one way of, of being your own roadblock. The other is having the expectation of the other person that, I want this thing, but I need you to perform in a very specific way in order for me to feel good about this rather than allowing you to be who you are and just having this combined experience, a shared experience mm-hmm. together. Those are our major roadblocks and virtually everything precipitates out of that. Various examples we could provide are just examples of those core things that, that I've just mentioned. Correct? Correct. All right. Let's get into the next step that you were touching upon. So let's do the deep dive into the good stuff. How can we actually build intimacy? So the, the first thing you said is be present. Invite it. Invite it, it versus build it. All right. So I'd like to touch upon that. There's a big difference between inviting slash allowing versus forcing, convincing, coercing, trying to make, navigating. So in my opinion, there is zero place ever for coercion. I agree. And and you know what? You can be doing a full-on role-play fantasy rape scene where it's very realistic and there's no coercion in that scene. Yeah. At least no, no real coercion. And, and what we mean by this for listeners, uh, when you heard the word rape, that, that's a trigger word for me. It makes me feel uncomfortable. We are not talking about actual literal rape. We're talking no. about. No, a, no, 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 no. Yeah, we're talking about a, a scenario play. in which role play, a person wants to feel they're being dominated, but yet they're safe, they're respectful. The person who's doing the dominating uh, doesn't take the person who wants to be dominated any further than they want to go. It's a, a unified experience where they're in sync with each other as opposed to someone wailing on each other, on another person and just taking what they want. That's what we mm-hmm. mean when we're talking about that. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, de- absolutely. So um, what I'm saying is in order to invite intimacy, sexual intimacy, there there's never any place for coercion or for pushing 
when somebody is not interested. And that leads me to a question about, uh, what was it called? Insistence. Yeah. And welcomed insistence versus unwelcome insistence. And there was a question as to whether that was maybe different in different cultures. Mm-hmm. And I believe, and your thoughts may be different, Steve, so I, I'd love to hear them after I have my <clears throat> my say on this, but I believe that, yes, they're definitely different in different cultures, welcomed insistence. And where I, where I think that comes from is when people, usually women, but when uh, people do not have the agency to express their desires, their sexual desires, because they're judged harshly. Mm-hmm. So um, often in very conservative societies, um, also, for example, within the Catholic Church, big time, um, it's not okay for a woman to say, sure. She can't because what kind of a woman would say yes to a sexual advance? What kind of woman would actually say that she's interested, uh, obviously a terrible woman, <laughs> and not a woman that I want to be with. So in order to save face, women had to say no. And in order for a man to get the sex he wanted, he had to sort of coerce her into it. Or be persistent. Be yeah, persistent, and it, yeah. In a few happy cases, that persistence was a permission slip, and so it worked out. Yeah. In most cases, it was tolerated because... Basically, in, you know, within the patriarchy, the male ego is protected at all costs. And the worst thing that you can possibly do is hurt a man's ego, hurt his feelings, say no, um, somehow, you know, reject or, or do something that will upset him in that way because mm-hmm. now he feels like less of a man or, or something like that. So, um, I, I disagree with this whole welcomed insistence thing. And I think that the best way to invite it is to be clear about it and allow somebody their no. Yeah, so what, what you just described is a setup in which typically it's the females. Um, the females are expected, socially expected to be passive, to be receptive, uh, to not be uh, overt about their sexuality. In fact, they might even be encouraged or demanded by law to suppress or oppress their sexuality. Um, in extreme cases in, in the, the Middle East where women are covered from head to toe and only their eyes are exposed, we just, you've got to cover that up because that's, that's bad. Uh, in, in cultures that do not encourage and do not uh, comfortably allow women to be completely open with their sexuality is that those cultures tend to have a component in which um, it is more acceptable for the males to be persistent in their pursuit of women. Yeah, it's tolerated. Yeah. And males and males are not um they're not called out on it and they're not punished for it because often if a male is very persistent, it must be the woman's fault. She must be leading him on in some way if he's if he's really being persistent. There's something also in North America on that theme is that uh, if you look at um media in North America, Canada, and the US is that uh, it's not uncommon to have romance movies where the setup is the guy is in love with that woman, but she wants nothing to do with him. And he, uh, he just will take no for an answer. He won't take no for an answer because he knows that this is real love and, and he's an annoyance and he's behaving in an almost stalkerish manner. But as the story evolves, eventually something happens and then she ends up falling in love with him and then they live happily ever after. So that, that concept of male persistence 
and uh, aggression and chasing the woman is is promoted today in 2020 in our North American society. In every, it's the theme of every film, and yeah. basically, they they show you all you have to do is be persistent and obnoxious, and eventually, <laughs> you're going to wear her down, and no matter how much she dislikes you, she's going to give you the sex, and fall in love with you too. Yeah, and it's just not true. Yeah, uh, to put it in an ugly term, this is unattractive to me. Is uh, if you wear her down, you'll get her to put out. Uh, yeah. I, I don't like that thought, but it, it is something that some people might embrace is that just be persistent enough and, and then you'll get what you want. It's, it's disgusting. And, and actually it kind of plays into my, in like the other podcast that we had. Um, and I had related some stories of, of where it was easier to just like give them sex to shut them up. Yeah. Than it was to say no and deal with the consequences. I want to make the connection between what we just said right now and, and something we said earlier on in this program. And that is the concept. We're talking now about the concept of the guy who's persistent, insistent, trying to wear her down so that he can get sex. That, that dot is connected with a dot we talked about earlier. And that is, I want something. I want to get it. And my mind is totally fixated on getting it, which could be sex, getting sex in this woman, and is fixated entirely on that, and I will be grumpy if I don't get it. If you want to kill somebody's attraction for you as quickly as possible, the best way, <laughs> as quickly as possible, and this is a tip that is a great tip. So, How to turn off your, women. <laughs> put it in your pocket and use yeah. it every time because um, it works every time. It's sulk. If you don't get the sex that you want right now, the way you want it, um, sulk or, or get angry. And you know, you know what? That will turn a woman off from you and she'll find you repulsive. Even if she loves you, even if she loves you more than any, uh, any other human on earth, if you do that, she will quickly become repulsed. So I, I just want to describe to our listeners what sulking is uh, because it is a specific thing. So sulking only happens with someone that you're emotionally connected with. People typically don't sulk with strangers. What it is is um, a state of withdrawing and being non-communicative. And people might do this, and I'll tell you candidly, is that I was a sulker for a long time in my life, so I know this from personal experience, is that the sulker might not even realize I am doing this sulking thing. They just react and they behave in a withdrawn manner, so they're feeling sort of depressed, uh, isolated, lonely, and non-communicative and withdrawn. And Sometimes, sometimes. And, and, and the hope behind this, and I'll, I'll let you describe what you mean with the sometimes in a second. The hope behind this is that you the person I'm sulking against, uh, you will come to me and work to try to get me to feel good again. Is that you will put in the effort now uh, to to open up with me. Oh, Steve, what's the matter? Is something wrong? Oh, nothing. I don't want to talk about it. Oh, come on, honey. I love you. We can make this good. Let me just show you how we, could, how we can make this. And, and that the other person would be doing all the effort in order to get the sulker to raise their spirits and to open up and to become communicative and to reconnect again. And this is all subconscious. It's not usually a scheming sort of thing. Nobody plans this. It's, it's, um, if you recognize this, it's a behavior that is often seen in small children that we adopt or is imprinted on our mind and then we carry into adult life without realizing it. So anything you want to add into that before you jump into sometimes? Because when I talked about acting withdrawn and non-communicative, um, you wanted to add something to that. I just wanted to say that sometimes the sulking also includes things like 
forgetting to do things that you normally do, which are expected of you. Like um, if normally you fill the gas, you fill the cars with gas on a, on a Sunday evening, so that Monday both of you have gas um, to go on the way to work or uh, some, you know, maybe you take out the garbage or, you know, do, do something that is generally what you do. Yeah. Sometimes when you sulk, you forget to do those things. Take out the garbage, yeah. It, you forget. It, yeah. It, it can but, become passive aggressive. Yep. Yeah. So to, to touch back, to circle back to what you said is, guys, if you really want to kill your relationship, if you really want to be a turnoff to your partner is sulk. Um, is when you're not feeling good is just being withdrawn and grumpy and expect her to know intuitively what's going on and expect her to do all the working to fix it. Um, that That's a turnoff. That, that works against connection because you're actually creating the chasm. You're creating the wideness. You're being anti-connection without intending it, of course. But through that sulking is you're actually creating a, a greater chasm, a greater divide between you two, which makes it harder to communicate, harder to reconnect, harder to hold hands, love, hug, just be on friendly, comfy terms. And that usually happens when you've had a specific idea in mind and then you were let down yeah. because that idea did not come to fruition as imagined. Yeah. And the anti Sulk and the, and the opposite of this, the positive situation that we would be, um, I guess, promoting or encourage, not promo- encouraging, yeah. would be okay. I want something. Um, I feel like I want sex. So if and maybe you're fantasizing about a specific thing, and to, to like actually be self-aware, like okay, I want to connect. Um, and instead of thinking, I need to connect by having her do blah 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 or him. Then be like, okay, well, I'm going to invite connection and set that intention in your heart. As weird as that sounds, think to yourself and feel inside, what would it feel like to have the connection that I'm looking for? Mm-hmm. What would actually think that? What would it feel like? And I'm going to ask you to imagine it right now. Go into your head and think, what would it feel like if I had that connection I wanted right now? And when you, when you access that feeling, you take that and uh, look at your partner with it. So what you're talking about is the feeling. You're not talking about visualize penis and vagina. You're not talking about visualize no. the outcome. You're talking about address the feeling that I'm looking for. Be The be emotion. A, the be emotion. A, yeah, be aware of the emotion that I'm seeking. Be aware of that. Identify it. What, what feeling am I looking for? And set that intention that I, I wish to welcome that feeling into my life. Because it, there's a difference between fantasizing about an erotic scenario and whether your fantasies are kinesthetic fantasies or, or um, visual fantasies, it doesn't matter. So I'm not talking about fantasizing about the thing that you want to experience. I'm talking about getting to what if I had that thing that I was wanting, what would it feel like? You would have you would have a feeling in your body and access that feeling and from when you have it, that's when you I would actually be very straightforward and say, I would love to connect with you. And maybe and I'm let's role play a little bit. You're you're the one I want to connect with. Okay. You're my beautiful lady and you're sitting in bed reading and I'm out here doing the dishes or, or something and I'm thinking, mm, yeah, I would like to really get some of that later. Um, and I see you over there <laughs> sitting seductively in bed 
with your glasses on. And <laughs> yeah, she's totally seductive with her, her hair up, the face cream on and, and reading a book. And, and you know what? I could see a little bit of nipple poking out from the neck out. So I know that you're doing that just to turn me on. I'm, yeah, totally seductive. Yeah, yeah I, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Go, go on, go on. So <laughs> you set the stage, yeah, go on. <laughs> but but the but the stage is really set by accessing that feeling first and and then being straightforward and saying, Hey, I see you're I see you're doing something right now. Um I'd like to connect with you. And I don't need something specific. I would love to touch you. I'd love to be touched and can we do that sometime soon? What you just said is big. And I don't real I don't know if you realize how big it is, uh, because what you've just touched upon is is getting off that target fixation. I've got to get penis and vagina. That's the only way I can feel happy. With you. I got to get it. Got to get it. Instead of that, is look for the feeling. What feeling am I looking for? It, it's not just the orgasm. It's not I need to have penis and vagina. It's I, I want to feel connected. That's what I'm really looking for is I want to feel close. I want to feel accepted. Once we recognize that's the feeling we're seeking, we can express that more authentically and open up the door to different ways of receiving that and having that feeling fulfilled without necessarily going to where our mind would default, the penis and vagina thing. Well, and and ironically, often you do get, like if you're horny, you do get what you want. Yeah, it might go there. If you open the bid this way, and I call them bids for connection, Versus, because I like I, I work with so a big deal in these couples that I'm working with a lot of times is a fear of rejection. Yeah, that's huge. And there's a big fear of asking for sex because it sucks to be rejected, especially if it's been happening over and over again. And so I completely reframe it from you're not asking for sex, you're making a bid for connection, a vulnerable bid, and you're saying. I would really like to connect with you. Um, I see you're doing something right now. Because usually that's the thing. It's sort of like, don't just interrupt me in the middle of what I'm doing and think that I'm somehow going to feel sexy. It doesn't, because it doesn't work that way for, for the person who's being interrupted. Because um, you've been already fantasizing about it, thinking about it, wanting it. You're ready for it. But the other person isn't. They're in a completely yeah. different space. You're already 30 minutes into the program and they're just, they're not even started up yet. Yeah. So that's where. You say, you know, you can even use the term if you if they if they understand what this term means. Hey, uh, I'm making a bid for connection. I'd really like to connect with you tonight. Can can we make time for this later? And when you say this, she shouldn't have the visualization of having to perform sexually. Right. It could be like you know what? It would feel delicious to have you like slide up behind me and and cuddle and relax and kind of get into that really sensual, warm, loving state so that, hmm, yeah, I would love to go further. I, actually, I, it's going to feel great if you turn this into a really crazy, hot, wonderful, erotic night. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you just both relax enough and you kind of fall asleep in each other's arms. And, and, and because it's not outcome dependent, whatever does happen is going to be perfect and, and it can, wonderful. It can feel good. Yeah. And there's none of that sitting there resenting. There's none of the anxiety like, oh, oh is it going to happen? Is she, oh, am I, I going to get to have the sex tonight? 
I, I do a lot of writing about finding happiness. And, and one of the things that works against us in finding happiness is being fixated on, I need this specifically so I can feel good. And an example mm-hmm. of that in a connection is I need to have sex with you. I need to have penis and vagina or else uh, cock and mouth or something like that, something specific. I need to have that. I need to have my orgasm so I can feel good. As long as we keep on thinking that way, rigidly defining this is the only way that I can be okay, we're really working against ourselves because we're saying I'm closing the door to everything else that could possibly make me feel okay. That, that's not acceptable. It's got to be this, this specific thing or that. And, and what you're saying is reinforcing that message and that is saying open the door, be receptive to a variety of things, including stuff we might not even imagine. Mm-hmm. And the scenario you specifically described, that imagine, in my mind, that triggers off a scene of, um, in my seeking connection with you and saying, I, I would like to feel more connected with you, um, I'm, I'm opening a bid for connection. And if you're receptive to that, you might not have sex with me on your mind. However, you're receptive to connection. So we could cuddle up and providing I'm being honest about it, providing I'm not trying to get her wet and then get her turned on so I can get penis in the vagina, providing I'm being sincere about connection and allowing that to evolve however it does, it might, over the course of our connection, evolve into into penis and vagina. It might, and that's okay. And it might not, and that would hopefully be okay as well if I'm not target fixated on it's got to be the specific way. So, for example, it could involve some wonderful caressing. It could involve some kissing, some some beautiful, um, sensual, erotic touch. It might involve uh, masturbation and orgasm uh, or not, but it, it could end up feeling like, you know, I feel deeply connected with you. I feel close to you. I feel appreciated. I feel loved, even though we didn't do that outright sex thing, even though I didn't have an orgasm. I feel loved. I feel that connection. And the the really interesting thing about this is that when there is zero pressure zero and i mean zero pressure and you're not in the mood as a woman let's just say a woman okay cuz it's easier and you're not in the mood and you're faced with a man's arousal physical arousal mm-hmm. when there's no pressure it's actually sexy and you can start to respond to it and feel kind of yummy and like, I wasn't in the mood, but actually that's kind of turning me on. Now, um, when you're f- not in the mood and then you're faced with a guy's arousal and there is pressure because he anxiously wants you to take care of it, that's such a turn off. It's, it's, so, it's so unattractive and it's unfair. Uh, what you just mentioned is, um, is actually widely known in the business world and that is how... If you push against somebody, their tendency will be to push back. That, yeah. that's, so if I am pushing that I want sex, I got to have sex, got to have sex, is the woman might not even realize this, but she might kind of not want it and then end up pushing back as hard. As much as I do want it, she might be resisting just because I'm trying to force the issue and be demanding or, or being sucky about it and, and, uh, and being sort of pouty and, and dropping hints is that it becomes less appealing, less of an invitation for it. It becomes more of a demand or a backhanded demand, uh, a dishonest demand, a, a dropping hints, hoping she'll get the hint and hoping she'll initiate rather than me um, being sincere and initiating. It just becomes unappealing because it's, it's that push and trying to, it's trying to force something rather than invite it to happen. And 
and that's like that's the situation where um women will stop like they'll do everything in their power to try to avoid getting him turned on so you know what they're changing the bathroom they're not letting because you know when you when you spoon sometimes it just is automatic mm-hmm. erection yeah and they don't want to be rubbing against his erection because he just can't control himself ah you know i'm 60 years old and the stuff you're saying right now um i have not heard that um and i've not been aware of it but now all of a sudden i'm, I'm connecting dots i'm going oh i get it now there's all these different tricks that that we'll have to avoid getting him a little bit excited because then the pressure is on. I would imagine this could easily become a downward spiral where where she used to sleep naked but now she's wearing yep. um, she's wearing a nightgown. And we used to spoon before we went to bed but now she just wants to roll over and uh, you know don't touch me because I'm sweaty I just want to go to sleep. Yep, or go it's, to bed at different times. Yeah, so without even stating it outright is that or it might not even be conscious is that she or the person who doesn't want this, this aggression could be doing things in order to separate themselves, distance themselves from the aggression, from the persistence. And in doing so unwittingly be creating more of a chasm. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to blame them yeah. and say, Oh, it's your fault because you're becoming more distant. That's easy to say that. But the reality is, is that if I'm being persistent, if I am not, at peace with you declining, then that's putting a lot of pressure on you, which will make you feel uncomfortable, which will make you want to do things, possibly subconsciously, in order to feel better, which might mean distancing myself from the thing that makes me feel uncomfortable. And yet, when a man can experience his body's arousal and not put any pressure on the person, um, that's actually a very, uh, it's a really adult and attractive quality in a man. And it's sexy too. And so that man automatically raises his sex appeal when, yeah, he's turned, but you know, he's not going to be a little boy about it and try to force you to take care of it because he can't handle having an erection. Yeah. And, um, also with that, when there's no pressure, the time that her body needs and her mind needs, because her mind often needs a little more time. Yeah. So when it's given the time with no pressure, she can easily slip into interest very, very easily. As long as there's no pressure, as soon as the pressure comes and there's the pushback, when there's no pressure, it's, it's quite easy because like, who who doesn't want to reach out and grab that? Like, (laughs) it's right there. (laughs) So so in this discussion, I, I just want to reiterate this to our listeners is that I am using heteronormative talk um, where where, uh, I'm speaking as a male in a heterosexual relationship about woman and not always, but often, often it is the man who wants more sex than the woman. Um, So we're speaking in those cliches without trying to imply that this is the way it is. This is the way it is across the population is both Freya and I recognize that, that there are, non-trivial number of women who are the ones who would want more sex and the husband is is the man mm-hmm. is is drawing back there's also yeah. same-sex couples and that also happens in same-sex couples is gay couples will tell you that yeah i'm the guy who wants more sex and he wants less and and i've got to be um more persistent so it's the push-pull dynamic that's important here yeah. not the gender yeah that happens in same-sex relationships as well as well as triads 
uh, that, that imbalance and, and the push-pull that you described. So even though we're using heteronormative dialogue and phraseology, we don't imply that this means stereotypical male, stereotypical female, and, and only in these roles. We recognize that there's wide diversity amongst humans. Yes, very much so. That's super important because, um, and, and you know what? If, if we're doing something and you're listening to, to our, our podcast and you feel excluded in some way and like you would want to be recognized or you want to add something, please contact us. Because if there's something that you would like us to add or to say or to talk about, we want that out there too. Because again, none of this is supposed to be exclusionary. And I am just quickly looking up our address because I am. <laughs> oh, is it is it Steve Freya? I think it's Steve Freya at gmail dot com. Um, or is it Freya Steve at gmail? <laughs> I, I can't find it quickly. Well, I'm going to put it in the show notes. Yes, do that, and and I will write it down as as a note. Yeah, so don't forget. It, it'll be in the show notes underneath yeah. the podcast. It will yeah. say. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> so here's a question. Um, a question okay. that was that was written in the comments, and it was. Is there any point in trying to initiate intimacy when you sense that the response is obligation intimacy? And I asked the guy who wrote this in to elaborate on it. And he said that he felt like when he tried to initiate sex, she would give it to him. His, his feeling is that she was giving it to him to get him to shut up. Mm-hmm. And yes, I think there is a point to this is my opinion i do think there is a point but i think that intimacy needs to be reframed and sometimes in a case like that if it's been happening for a long time you've got to start from scratch and actually say you know what we're not going to have any sex for whether it's a few weeks or sometimes a few months depending on how deeply ingrained this dynamic is and to start with the exercises on www bettymartin.org forward slash, or it's either org or com, I don't know, bettymartin.com forward slash videos. And I'm going to put that link in too. And what it does is, is it explains something called the wheel of consent and it teaches your partner and you how to say yes and how to say no. So that if your partner is saying yes to you, it's a real yes. It's not a Yes, because I just want you to shut up and not sulk. Yes. And it also shows you how to get in tune with that and how to see what's really, really going on. And I think that it's okay to have sex when, you know, I kind of discussed it earlier today. You might not be in the mood to start, but I cannot be in the mood for fucking, but I am in the mood to connect physically. And as long as you're not trying to make me fuck before I'm ready, I'm super happy to connect lovingly and and to feel good and to touch in nice ways that are enjoyable. Mm -hmm. And when I'm touched in those nice ways, my body may respond and become aroused. And from that arousal, desire begins to be cultivated. So it doesn't start with desire. For you, it might be starting with desire. For me, it's starting with pleasure. Pleasure leads to arousal. Arousal leads to desire. And in that space, once that flame starts to be fanned, 
you can make it grow and play in that space of desire for as long as you want or as short as you want, you know, if it's just a quick night, mm -hmm. then, um, yeah, there is absolutely a point in reaching out because again, you're not reaching out for sex. You're making a bid for connection. And I always think there is a point to connect with each other because that's what keeps love going. And that's what keeps your relationship close. So I'd like to recap two things you've just said. Is, is the first is that we get uh, emails from people that are essentially paraphrased as um, my relationship is, is difficult right now. How do I flip the switch and make my partner want it? Um, th that those kind of questions are, are common. How do I get, how do I get the sex to happen? And uh, the, the difficulty there is that people are, are not paying attention to the current state of where they're at. And in many cases, the current state where we're at, it's not possible just flip a switch and go from where we're at to, isn't this wonderful? We have this wonderful connection. The sex is beautiful. Uh, that is virtually impossible. So sometimes what we need to do is step back and, and do a reset. And that is, let's rebuild where we're at. And in order to do that, I will deliberately be not insistent about sex. I'm not going to be focusing upon sex. We're going to focus on how to rebuild our connection so that we can feel better about each other and about ourselves. And from that, we might end up building a, a better sexual relationship with each other. Wait, wait, I need to interject right there. Go ahead. Not, Go ahead. not just the connection. Like when I, when I said to stop having sex and to look at those Betty Martin videos, it's not just for the person that wants it. It's for the person that's so far been unable to say no. Yeah. yeah. It's just as important for that person to be able to say yes with a full and happy heart versus yes, maybe that will get him to shut the fuck up and leave me alone for a bit. Agreed. So the exercises um, for both people are just as important for the one that is really not that into it yeah, so right now. The encapsulating message behind that is if you want better intimacy and better sex, uh, a really good way is to stop the pressure right now and stop being target fixated and actually look at how you can rebuild intimacy between each other. But to answer his specific question, yes, there is a point to having, to reaching out, even if currently you think it's obligation sex. Um, my my answer is don't ever let it be obligation sex but yes reach out and yes reframe the you know reframe how it's happening reframe how it starts the middle and the end the end meaning the conclusion to that particular episode of <laughs> interacting and um you got to change it though yeah so the recap that's the second part that I want to address yeah. the recap on that is that if we're looking to someone else to make me happy, I need you to perform this way. I need you to do this thing. I need this outcome to be happy. We're really setting ourselves up for, for suffering and we will likely share that suffering, spill it over onto our partner and the people we interact with. So the, the way to help that is for us to be tending to our own inner stuff to understand what feelings are we looking for as opposed to it has to be this scenario for me to be okay. Uh, and to also be extend our mind beyond just our own thinking, be beyond I want, I want, I want to, I wish to invite my partner to participate in this with me. Uh, I'm feeling like I would like this. I will express this with my partner and I, I can accept a no and be okay with that. 
uh, because that's just my partner at this moment and that might be the case. And, and if I can happily be okay with their no, then that changes the dynamic. However, I can also, by initiating and being sincere, being open-hearted, being authentic in who I am and not being demanding and allowing a variety of things to evolve, such as I really want to feel close right now. I'm feeling lonely. I just want to feel close. Instead of jumping to I need sex to feel close is I I wish to feel this feeling of closeness with you. That might start off with some naked cuddling in bed. It might end up start off with just spooning. And that That might, that requires a bit of self-awareness too. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Where where the man, um, again, I'm saying man, but, where the person looks at themselves, what am I really looking for when I think that I want sex right now? And you have that, that self-awareness. Not everybody does. Yeah. Um, I I would like to do a flip because we've been kind of doing this whole male, female dynamic thing and um, turn this into a little bit of a, a message to the ladies out there. And the reason being is a, a guy wrote in and he said, for me, it's the opposite. Sometimes I'm still not ready by date four to have sex. And I find that women take no sex by date three to be a sign that I'm not interested, even though I am quite sensual, touchy, and heading in that direction. I'm just not feeling the rush for sex. Mm -hmm. It leads me as a man to feel pressure to have sex before I'm ready. So this guy had a really great approach, and I was super impressed with what he wrote. So his approach was, Personally, uh, I approach this openly and directly with, hey, I'm not ready for sex yet, but I'm super into you and I want XYZ right now, which works very well. Um, but maybe a snippet in there that, oh, hey, some men are slow to warm up too. So you had something to say about this, which was kind of on a similar vein where you're not pushy for sex right away. Um, yeah. And I would like... I really want to hear what you would have to say to women because I know that there are a lot of women out there that think if he's not begging you for sex right away, um, he's not, he's not into me. Yeah. Yeah, He's not attracted to you. Um, Maybe he likes you for other reasons other than sex. There might be something wrong with him. I hear all the time, every time there's anything about a, a guy not wanting sex, women are like, are you sure he's not gay? Are you sure he's not a closet homosexual? And um, you know what? Men are much more complex. Of course, if he was straight, he'd want to be jumping your bones right from the first date, right? So yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot of reasons why men don't want to have sex yeah. immediately. Yeah, I, I can speak to that. Um, for most of my life, I believed I believed I could be happy if I only had that perfect partner who would love me and never abandon me, and we'd be together forever. And and I believed. Later on, I believed if only I had the abundance of sex, if I could live in a mansion with three supermodels, wouldn't that be awesome? I really thought that would be the recipe to happiness. And I had this, you might call it outrageously good fortune or maybe bad luck, is that I was involved in the swinger community for several years with a very attractive partner and got that opportunity to have an abundance of sex with a variety of women. And through that experience, I learned the hard way that most of those experiences weren't that great. I finally, after a lot of that in-my-face stuff, I finally understood what's going on inside me. And that is, uh, I don't feel, this is just me speaking for myself, because there's other guys who are perfectly fine just jumping into bed with a hot girl, and they're they're great, they're fine. Uh, for me, I found that it, it doesn't, 
what I was looking for, what I wanted was that feeling of connection. And I get that feeling of connection by getting to know somebody better, by developing that familiarity with them. And through that experience, I end up liking somebody more. So I might find her extraordinarily beautiful, but I found that I'm one of those guys who might not be able to get an erection the first time I'm in bed with her, like date one, let's, let's go off someplace and make out. I might have a problem of not being able to get it up, even with Cialis behind me, because that emotional connection isn't there. And um, my research says that roughly about a third of North American men fit into that category, ballparking, where they, they want something more than just the hot looks. So I found that for me, what works best is not to be gunning for the sex, ASAP. So I am like that writer who said to you that, you know, he's not really rushing it for it. And the woman might think that uh, the guy's not really into me. So the way I've addressed this is uh, first, my, it was my internal journey of, of learning to be okay with myself is not being judgmental that a real man should be turned on. A real man should be like this is being able to accept who I am and feel okay about it. That I'm just this way. This is the way my brain is wired at this time that I, uh, desire a deeper connection. And that doesn't mean commit to me, be my exclusive partner. It just means I want to be more familiar with you and get to know you more before I end up getting naked with you. Um, so that's just the way my mind works. And uh, knowing that and honoring that is I feel comfortable being able to say to a woman and be honest with her uh, and say to her, look, I just want to put something on the tables. I find you're really attractive. Um, and and I, I like the idea of being physically intimate with you. Uh, I just don't want to rush it at this time is I would like to get to know you better first before I open the door to that sort of thing happening. But I just want to be honest with you that that thought has crossed my mind. I find that idea very appealing. I look at you and, and if you're easy on the eyes, you're, you're very attractive. And I, I welcome that, but I just want to take some time to get to really know who you are, to learn you as a person rather than just jumping into sex with you. So if I'm, if I'm a woman and I'm gone on a few dates with a guy and we haven't slept together yet. And I, I think everything's great. I'm like, you know, we seem to have this really great rapport. Um, we really seem to be into each other. I'm just, I'm starting to feel really anxious because we're not having sex. What would you say to reassure me or, or how should I ask him? Like, what should I even say to him? Um, that's fair and kind. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, buddy. <laughs> like, you know, why, why haven't you like stuck you- it in me yet? Yeah. yeah. Like what's wrong with you? Yeah. What, what what would be a kind way to say that? Um, I would before I answer that question, I would lead up to saying that it serves all of us, males and females, regardless of your gender, your sex, your orientation. It really serves us to develop to be in a state where we can heal some of our early trauma and feel okay with being authentic about who we are and expressing our desires and knowing that you know this other person might not be into that. And just accepting that is that's the fact of life is that there will be a number of people who I will interact with in my life. Uh, this will never come to an end. It's not at some point where I, I hit a magical number and I'm, I'm in my best before date. I've crossed that line where women will never pay attention to me. Oh my God, I've got to get married before I'm too old. That won't happen. So at any age, I will make connections with people. You, Freya, will make connections with people. Uh, that's true for all of us. And the more we can get our mind into that state of knowing that this is natural, we will make connections with people. People will become more attracted to us. We'll, that will 
ebb and flow. That's just the nature of life. Yeah, but right now, I'm feeling insecure. I'm feeling insecure because this guy isn't screwing me. So, but I, but I think that he likes me. So, what should I do about it? So, if I, if I was sitting across the table from that woman, this is me being who I am. So, keep in mind, it's me being who I am, sitting across the table and discovering that about a woman. Is I would ask her. I'd say, no, but what should I say to you as the woman? Like, if I'm the woman and I'm feeling that way. And I'm wondering, okay, here's this guy and he's not having sex with me. I want to bring it up. What's the best way to bring it up in a kind and, um, because you know what? Some women might just be like, you know, screw him. You know, if there's something wrong with him for not wanting me, what a, what a douche. I'm going to go away and get drunk with my girlfriends and some, some real man is going to screw the heck out of me and then I'm going to feel desirable, but also kind of shitty at the same time. So instead of doing that, what should you do? So, So this is what I would say to women. And this will, I will follow up with some caveats. So this is what I would say to the woman is I would say, come to terms with what it is you desire. So do you in fact desire to have sex with him? Is that what you desire? Or are you looking for something else? Are you looking for reassurance that he really does like you? He's really into you. Well, I really, I want sex, but also I want to know that he wants me. Okay. So understand what does that he wants me what does that look like what does it mean does it mean that he wants to get married to me he wants to be exclusive with me that he desires me sexually come to yes. terms with what it yes. is you're looking for yes the whole ball All wax, right? okay of everything all right so this is where the caveats start coming in so now that you become aware of what you're looking for i would like him to want me to the degree that he wants to have sex with me. I'm really hoping that he desires me sexually and he wants to have sex with me. I'm really hoping that he wants to be exclusive with me, that this might become a permanent thing. I'm really hoping for that, and I'm, I'm wanting that to happen. Understood. No problem with that. Uh, no criticisms either. The, da- the danger there is, do you really want an answer, or do you want to just keep on hoping? Because if you want to keep on hoping, don't ask the question. Don't even try to test the waters. But if you would rather know, is this really where we're heading? Is this who we are? Are we on the same page? Then I believe it's best to actually ask the question and know. And that means there's a risk that you might not get what you want. Are you prepared to face that risk? And if the answer is, no, I'm not ready, then this isn't the time to be asking the question then. And if you are ready, saying, yep, I know what I want. I'm clear in what I want. I really hope this guy is, is into me. I want this to be long-term because I'm really into him. I want this to evolve into something really serious. I want this to be exclusive, and I want to have sex with him. That's what I want, and I want to know if we're on the same page. Then I would say talk about it and find out if you're on the same page, and that means you've got to be vulnerable because if he won't be vulnerable, then someone's got to take that first step. And it might be as simple as saying, let's go for coffee somewhere in a place where we can be in private and just have a little bit of a chat. Or it might be you know, drinks at a, at a, uh, a park, uh, whatever the setting is, whatever you feel comfortable with. And the, the, the talk I would recommend is not to be accusing, not to be demanding, but to be vulnerable, to be honest about what's going on inside me. So I will speak as the woman. Um, we've been dating a couple of, of times, and I'm really into you. I'm thinking I really like you. And I, I don't know where this is heading. But in my mind, I'm receptive to the possibility of this being something long-term because I'm into you. And I'm open to the possibility that this might become a long-term, maybe even a permanent relationship. We might even become exclusive. I'm receptive to all that. But I don't know if you're on the same page. Oh, additionally, and I, 
when I look at you, I, I find you attractive, okay? So I'm open to the possibility of sex with you. I'm not demanding of sex with you, but I'm very open to that possibility. I like that idea. I imagine in my mind of what it might be like, and I'm going, I, I like that idea. I, I'm really turned on about that. So I'm observing that you're not initiating sex with me, and I'm just curious if you could help me understand what that's about. So in that talk, the, the woman has revealed she's, she's really being vulnerable. She, and this applies to man or female. If you're in doubt, you're really being vulnerable and you're laying your cards out on the table saying, I feel this is what I think. These are my aspirations and I'm open to this. I'm not trying to push it in this direction. I'm not trying to be forceful, but I'm open to this and I'm curious as to what's going on on your side of the table because I'm not really sure about that. Would you care mm-hmm. to fill that in for me? So one thing I really, really agreed with you on there is, um, well, all of it, first of all, but, but a big thing was not to make it accusatory because a lot of times when someone is feeling insecure or uncertain about their validity or their attractiveness, instead of expressing that, instead of saying, hmm, um, you know, because I'm actually not sure if you're attracted to me because we haven't had sex and that makes me a little anxious about where we're going or where our relationship is going, they say, well, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Like, what's wrong with you that you haven't had sex with me yet? And they sort of, they have to project and they have to turn it into a problem with the other person rather than acknowledging their own uncomfortable feelings. And as a woman, I tend to be very straightforward with relationships, like in, when with those kinds of things, because I don't want to be let on. I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to make somebody else uncomfortable feeling like they have to, um, pretend to me. So I would actually say something similar to you, um, a little less wordy. And uh, no, <laughs> that's well, okay. that's okay. Well, no, because I wouldn't add in there the whole long term stuff. I would just yeah. say, Hey, um, so we've gone on three dates and I think you're really attractive. I would love to have sex with you at some point. And, uh, I was curious if you felt the same way or if there was a reason that we hadn't done it yet. Because, yeah. you know, in the past, in my experience, like often it's a, it happens sooner. So I was yeah. wondering, um, do you want to have sex with me? Is this something that you would like to, would you like to just be friends? Do, do you want this to be a sexual yeah. relationship? Like, where yeah. are you at? Yeah. And the way you've said it is it's very honest because it's focusing on that main thought of, uh, I, I'm open to sex with this guy. I'd like it to happen, but it's not happening. And I'm curious why that's not happening. Yeah. And it's and it's not even it's not putting him on the spot even it's not asking him like why is it not happening it's just expressing my view is I'm open to this I'd like it to happen because and and I'm avoiding all because often if you're feeling anxious there's all these stories that happen in your head you're like what's wrong with him does his dick not work is he gay and does he think I'm ugly um, is he this so there's all these stories that you make up and I'm suggesting. Don't don't lay out those stories because they ha- they usually yeah they usually have nothing to do with the reality. So so don't don't set the stage with negativity. Such is is there something wrong with you? Are you gay? Like, or do you have erectile dysfunction? Do, are you needing a pill? You know, all those things are negative things that would then inspire a conversation of defensiveness from the other person to feel attacked, to feel accused, to feel defensive. And you're right; is by not engaging in that conversation that might incite a defensive response you're just saying talking about my feelings is i'm receptive to this i'd like this uh what are your thoughts on this Mm -hmm. so the the public service announcement to the ladies is 
you know, if you're going out with a great guy and you haven't had sex yet and you're kind of worried, just ask him straight out and, and be honest about it and make it about you, not make it about him having a problem. And I actually think it's a great idea to hold off on sex because if you are not sure or if you want to take your time or you want to feel more connected, um, that's perfect. There's no reason why you should have to hook up just because you physically can. Yeah. And by the the way, Freya and I are both very sex positive. So neither of us are saying don't do sex, just say no. Both of us love sex. Both of us are very positive about it. Both of us are very non-judgmental. What I, I believe that Freya is saying that I'll speak for myself. This is what I resonate with is if you base your relationship on sex, primarily on sex, then you will enjoy that wonderful big flare of we did it. It's wonderful. And that might wane fairly quickly. That's normal. It's natural. It might last. It might wane. Uh, but if you're basing your relationship primarily on sex, once the sex becomes routine and becomes less of the big fireworks show, what do you have left? So what I, what I encourage by postponing sex, don't make it the primary thing. Don't make it the date one, day two, day three thing is make it a lesser importance thing for you is get to know that other person. And through getting to know them, you will quickly learn. You will learn. Uh, how much do we have in common? How much would we want to spend together? Uh, what, what are our views about politics? Uh, what are our views about religion? Is this going to be a problem for us long term? Uh, what are the kind of things we share? Where's our commonality? What are the kind of activities we would like to do together? Um, do, do we have the same understanding of how much together versus apart time we would like? You get to discover all this stuff ahead of time rather than it's all sex. It's great. Isn't this amazing? Let's spend a lot of time together and then after the sex is sort of calming down uh, six or seven months into the, the relationship, you're realizing that, you know, all we really had mostly was the great sex. And now we're discovering who we really are and we're not really caring that much for it, but I'm really reluctant to just drop this all and, and run away. Uh, so it just becomes a tangled, more difficult scenario. By, by Yeah. I, I think that, I think that look, and believe me, I, I have done more than my fair share of, um, having sex immediately and then because it was really awesome, keep having sex and try to make a, a long-term relationship out of it. And then um, down the road, years down the road, realizing just how not great for each other we actually are. But all of that was clouded because of the great sex. Yeah. So there, there is a, um, you know, if you have the ability to sort of navigate that great, mm-hmm. but it can be useful to get to know each other first. So yeah. Take that for for what you will and do what you want, but that's what it is. And you know, Steve, I wanted to ask you one last thing because I know this is actually getting long now, and and we wanted to make our podcast more things. So, so we'll be working on that, but not this time. So okay, there's a there's a thing that I noticed lately being a single lady now for some time, um, which is a new experience for me. But there's this there's this phenomenon of of men and it not even single men, like all men, not every male I know, but all types saying, oh, like they imagine that I have a problem with not having a male to take care of me sexually. And I'll just say I'm choosing. Like, Believe me, I'm not not having sex because it's not available. It's available. I'm just choosing not to have it. So, there's, they seem to imagine that I'm having a terrible time because 
I don't have a man to take care of me sexually. And there's this like, well, if you need a hand with that, let me know. Okay. So you made the offer. Thank you. Yeah. All right. You made the offer. So what's that about, Steve? What's going on there? But but it's not okay. But then it's not just the offer. The offer keeps happening a week later, another week later, another week later. I'm like, um, when do I have to get really fucking bitchy about this? Because it, it, it gets very old and it's sort of like, yeah, I'm just patiently waiting. Yeah. So, um, I'd like to address that. Uh, when the, when what that happens, the hell is that about? What, what the hell is that about? Um, I don't do that, by the way. Um, I, I think that's distasteful. I would not choose to engage in that. Well, what's happening is, in that case, the, the male isn't being upfront with what's going on. The male, if the male was um, candid with you and laying his cards out on the table, what he would say to you is, Freya, I'm interested in having sex with you. Um, and I would like to work towards allowing that to happen. How do you feel about that? And you might reply, uh, no, that's so not going to happen. In which case, I would encourage him to just leave it alone. Uh, you've already indicated that you're receptive to it, that the, your, your door's open. Don't go there anymore. Don't keep on reminding her. Don't keep on dropping hints. Leave it alone. That's not on the menu for you. Leave it alone. That's what I would recommend to him. And obviously, he's not on that place. So what is happening that he probably doesn't realize is that he's trying to get sex. He's trying to make it happen. And that's different than being open to it. It's different than being receptive. So it's not just an invitation. He's trying to make it happen. And the way he's trying to make it happen is by dropping the hints. Hey, Freya, next time you're masturbating, you know, instead of using a toy, I'm always available. So you know my number, you know, got my cell number. So anytime, you know, if it's two o'clock in the morning and you're feeling horny, just I'll be right there. I'll I'll be be right right there. Yeah. Yeah. You need a hand. I'll be right there. So that's a, it's a backwards way of saying that. I want to have sex with you. Come on. Let's just make it happen. Let's just make it happen. I really want to have sex with you. And and, and here's a reminder. I want to have sex with you. Um, and I speculate that might be a rather unappealing thing to you to have that sort of that approach happening. It is so annoying. Yeah. Okay. What, why do guys think that? So once they've, they've offered and you've given them like, okay, thanks. Um, no. I appreciate that you've offered and and thanks. And if, I don't know, if in the future that ever needs to happen, okay. Um, Not not okay, but like, thanks. Yeah. No. So why do they think that... Why do they persist? Do they think that we forgot? Like, what do you think is happening there? Like, why why do we have to be reminded every week? It is persistence and hopefulness. So imagine a young child that wants an ice cream cone. Mom, can we have ice cream? Yes, not right now. Okay. Five minutes in. Mom, can we go for ice cream? Yeah, not right now. Okay. Is, well, is what, now? what if I didn't say yeah? What if I, what, like, no. Or, no. Or, <laughs> ah, now you're hitting the key. So if, if you say no, this is never going to happen, stop asking me, then observe his behavior. What I speculate might be going on and confirm if, if I'm right or wrong about that is you have not done the hard no is that you said, thanks for letting me know. And you just left it to that. So there might be some ambiguity in his mind. You still might allow that hopefulness that maybe it'll happen. Maybe it'll be this time. Maybe it'll happen. So that's why there's that persistence, that constant dropping hints is that in his mind, the desire is still there and the hopefulness that it might happen is still there. And that might not be you leading him on. It might not be nothing to do with you. It's just the way his mind works. The hopefulness is still there. 
So what, okay. what might be required to dash that hopefulness is, and you don't have to be a bitch to do this, is to say, okay, Mike, I'll just use that name for argument's sake. Mike, you've dropped these hints. Let By me the way, afraid. no mics are, no mics are doing this to me. <laughs> yes, In case somebody <laughs> listening to this is named Mike, there's no mics doing this to I me. I just okay. pulled up a fictitious name. Okay, so, no. so Mike... I've observed you in this behavior. You are dropping these hints saying, uh, in this, if this happens, do this, if this, if you, you're, you've made it clear to me that you're available for sex. I understand that. I have received you. I understand exactly what that offer means. I need you to now listen to me and to listen clearly. It's not going to happen. Not now, not ever. I am not interested in sex with you. And I need you to accept that. And I need you to show me that you've accepted that by not asking me ever again and not dropping these hints again. Because quite frankly, I'm feeling uncomfortable with it. I'm not liking it. I find it distasteful. That's the way I'm feeling when you keep on dropping these hints and keep on saying, even if it's just a figure of speech, I'm not liking it. And I need you to understand that when you do this, I am not liking it. So I would ask you, as a friend, to please respect this about me. Please stop doing this. I'm going to tell you, um, I probably, like out of every male I know, you may be the only one who could receive that message the way that you said it <laughs> without getting really upset, yeah. like sulking for a long time and maybe actually having like a, a break in, in the friendship. And it might happen. Yeah. They might happen. And, and, and you know what? I got to say, so for any male who does this kind of thing, um, it really sucks to be put in the position where I have to be the bitch because you won't leave it alone. And this is a, com- this is a common thing among all women. <laughs> it sucks when we have to like get a hard line, be a bitch, and be like, no, stop it, fuck off, you're making me really uncomfortable, and send you off sulking because you can't just be polite about saying it once and realizing that we heard you and we're never going to forget. It's the difference between inviting slash allowing versus trying to make coerce pressure. Yeah, because yeah. we, we, we'll, we will not forget that you yeah. offered, believe me. So along the line of what I was just saying about how how woman could address this is what I would recommend that the woman not do is do not say I'm sorry but as soon as you say I'm sorry that means you're apologizing for what you're the message you're delivering him do and not we, be we sorry for it to apologize right. for that. you do not you do not need to apologize to him this is how you feel it is a problem for you you're expressing it's a problem for me you're asking him to respect your boundaries you do not need to justify why you do not need to prove to him that he's in the wrong, you're in the right. So keep that in mind. You don't need to apologize. I'm sorry, but don't include that language. I'm sorry, but is, is be direct. Allow him uh, to understand how you feel, uh, express how you feel, and understand that he might be upset. And if he gets upset by it, that's his problem. That's for him to work through. It's not your task now to absorb his emotions and to fix him. <laughs> Oh, Steve, a lot of Canadians are going to have a real problem with what you just said because I don't know if we can make it through a sentence without saying I'm sorry. Well, work work at it. We'll be be working at it. So linguistically, when you hear I'm sorry, but, um, that weakens your statement. I'm sorry, but you'll have to take the garbage out. Well, you know, what do you mean? Um, 
please take the garbage out right now. I'd appreciate it very much if you would take the garbage out. Please do it right now. Mm-hmm. That sort of direct language um, helps, uh, especially the male mind. Males, not all males, not not all males to 100%, but male minds tend to be uh, direct. So there's a difference in a male mind between uh, could you take the garbage out? Uh, can you can you take the garbage out sometime? There's a difference between that versus uh, could you please take out the garbage right now or during the next commercial, please take the garbage out for me. Would you do that for me? And getting the buy-in. Well, the, well that versus yeah. yeah, there's so much garbage in the kitchen. Yeah, there's yeah, so much garbage. Yes, I the agree. Ki- the kitchen is overrun with garbage. That That's yeah. not a request to take the garbage out, but this is a different subject. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's wrap this up for tonight, unless you have any final words on this subject. Um, I know I've said everything that I need to say tonight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it just leaves it open. So I'm on the same page. Yeah. Okay. This has been great, Steve. Thank you so much. And it's thank you for great. your insight. It's been, um, it's been eye-opening and, and revealing and I think educational, uh, especially some of these new ways of approaching um, inviting intimacy and also um, new ways of communicating. Yeah. One last thought before I thank you. One last thought is in that discussion, if a woman needs to have that hard talk with a guy, don't present ultimatums such as um, either you stop this or else you can't be my friend because then you're letting him evaluate which choice he wants to make. So he knows the uh, the alternative is, well, she might not be my friend or um, if you just specifically be open and discuss what it is you want. This is a problem for me. Do not behave this way. Uh, then you have the power to decide what to do next mm-hmm. uh, because you might decide, I'm just not going to call him anymore. I'm not going to invite him anymore. I'm going to be unavailable if he decides he wants to come over to my place, get together. I'm just going to be unavailable. You get to decide. It's in, in your driver's seat. So I will yeah. leave it at that. So okay. I I thank you. Um, and, and you've opened up my eyes to a few things too. I'm 60 and and you said a few things tonight where I went, ah, now I get it. So uh, we're always, always able to learn something. We're always able to see something from a new perspective, to connect the dots like we never have before, to be able to shift our mind to a new place that never stops happening. And it's discussions like this with you that, that opens the door to greater insights, greater understanding, deeper understanding, and to deeper connections. All right, Steve. Thanks a lot. Good night for now. Thanks and again. And good night. <laughs>